You're listening to episode 30. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it, and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really, I am the number one student. So Get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Generals podcast, where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. Davis Mutabo here, your host. I am super excited to bring you today's featured guest, Mr. Rick Day. Rick, are you ready to share your entrepreneurial story? Yes, I sure am. And, and thanks for having me, Davis. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Well, Rick has owned many businesses over a very successful and diverse professional and business career from car detailing to to telecom, um, which he successfully exited for for a good eight figures. um, You can find Rick at businessbyday.com. Check out his blog and check out some of his uh, podcast posts while you're there. I'm very excited to hear your story, Rick. So um, firstly, welcome to the show. And um, before we get stuck into your story, maybe just take 30 seconds and uh, tell us um, who is Rick outside of business? Yeah, thanks so much, Davis. Uh, you know, it's important, I think, always to keep your your life balanced with uh, not just work, but also family and friends. And so, um, I would I would describe myself. I, I'm a fifty three year old fifty three year old father. Um, I'm divorced. Um, I like to spend time with my kids, who are twelve and sixteen. I have a wonderful girlfriend of uh, five and a half years, and uh, we love to travel. Uh, we scuba dive all over the world. Um, I love to go sailing. I just got back, uh, I think, as you and I have spoken, I got back from China racing sailboats there. Uh, but I like to surf and swim and uh, powerboat and sailboat and uh, just about anything water-related. So uh, I like to stay, uh, for my age, young and fit and uh, alert. And uh, I just I, I think one of my main passions is is helping people, whether it's in business or not. Rick, thanks for sharing all of that. Um, that's amazing. I did see that you were doing some travels, and um, and uh, you're a bit of a bit of a lifestyle guy. Uh, and uh, that's, I guess, a testament to 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 your work ethic. You've worked hard, I guess, at the beginning of your career, and now you you're taking a little bit of time to to enjoy that while you still continue to to do your work. Um, how long would you say you've been in full time business for yourself? Well, it really, it really goes back, uh, Davis to when I got out of the Navy here in, uh, San Diego, California, uh, in, uh, about 85. And, uh, I was, uh, decided that I was going to stay here. Uh, I had moved around quite a bit as a child and gone to, you know, nine different schools between grades one and 12. So, uh, when I got out of the Navy here, uh, I looked around at San Diego and I went, wow, this is a great place to live. 
And so uh, I uh, started putting myself through college and I was working for a small firm. Uh, but I met uh, a fellow that was um, uh, washing and, and waxing cars and detailing cars. He had an auto detailing business that he called it. Uh, and uh, that really inspired my first entrepreneurial uh, adventure. Uh, so to answer your question, I began working for myself in in uh, about 1986 after I met my friend Larry. And uh, since then, I, you know, I just never... I never turned back. So uh, when I look at it now, it's been 30 years. And you never thought about getting a corporate job or something like that throughout that time? No, I, I think, Davis, with people like me, I'm probably unemployable. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I just uh, I seem to have a knack for, for finding an opportunity or finding a, a, a need by a business or consumers and figuring out a way to fill that need and, uh, and bringing uh, people along with me uh, to enjoy the adventure. Mm, very interesting. Now, before we talk a little bit about some of those businesses, um, I want to ask you what your current revenue pillars are in your business today. Yeah, right. So, um, you know, I had my telecom business, uh, and I know you want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I had that for 17 years. And after I sold that business in uh, 2009, um, I just decided that I didn't want to be the the one and only guy uh, running the business. Uh, I, I suppose I easily could have started another telecom business and, and uh, started as a CEO and built it up by myself again. But I just have this passion for helping other people. And uh, so I decided that I wanted to diversify myself a little bit. And uh, my goal at that point was um, to invest and to coach and to help other people and try to get uh, three or four other businesses uh, sort of all going concurrently where I wasn't really beholden to one full time. Uh, and I felt as though as long as the cash flow was there, uh, we might have some exits along the way, but it would also give me the freedom to take some time off and to really be there for my kids and to, to travel, uh, which is something that's very important to me. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's step back into, into some of that, that story. And um, I, I guess the, the telecom business, how did that idea come about? Was it a brand new idea or were you, you know, leveraging what was already in the market? Well, right. So great question. Um, so I told you about my friend that was, uh, you know, detailing cars to work his way through college. So I copied him, which I think is, is an okay thing to do um, in business. You don't necessarily always have to come up with your own original idea. You can see something that you like. And if there's room in the market or if you think you can improve upon it, um, then you can do it also. Uh, so I, I copied him and developed my own database of customers and, and worked my way through college while I was doing that. And ultimately, I ended up selling that business to um, a friend of mine. Uh, but in the meantime, when I was detailing cars, you know, I, I enjoyed cars. I always have. I was sort of raised on, uh, you know, enjoying race cars. And my father used to take me to the races. So it's kind of sort of in my blood. Uh but in addition to that, I was always interested in the people that could afford nice cars like the Porsches, the Mercedes, the BMW, the Ferraris, the uh, the Maseratis. And, and so um, I, I met a computer company and I started detailing cars for this computer company and uh, they offered me a job. 
And I said, well, I, I don't know that I can sell computers. I don't know anything about that. And uh, they asked me, they said, well, you know, we'll, we'll train you. And I thought, okay, here's an opportunity. Uh, maybe I can take it. I can always go back to where I was before. Uh, so I started working with them in 19, uh, toward the end of 1987. And that business sort of morphed from a computer resale business into a telecom resale business. And uh, I was selling. I was just in sales. But I, I began to learn enough about the business. that, And then I also saw the first company that I worked for uh, actually go out of business because they didn't have the cash flow uh, to support the sales growth that they were experiencing. And then I went to work for a second company in that business. And uh, I met the CEO. And, and I was uh, just frankly not very impressed. And I thought you know, I could start my own business and I could compete in this industry and I could do pretty well. So uh, that's when I've, I founded my company in uh, 92 uh, with about $10,000 of my own. And I borrowed uh, about $40,000 from my grandmother, who uh, lucky for me and uh, trusted me and, and believed in me. And I was able to pay her off in the first year. And um, that's that's sort of uh, that's the history. Wow. So, so, so you quit your job, grabbed 10 grand of cash and borrowed 40K. And with $50,000, you, you started that business. That was a bit of a risk for you at the time, I'd imagine. Oh, sure. I was scared to death. I mean, um, you know, but, uh, you know, fear is a great motivator. And so I would get up every morning and I would go to work and, uh, I had actually rented a small office in the back of a landscaping firm. And uh, so you sort of had to go through this landscape firm to to find my telecom firm, which was basically just me in an office by myself. Um, but uh, it began to grow. And and uh, pretty soon I had room that I needed to hire uh, an assistant to pack the boxes and to receive the boxes of the equipment. And pretty soon I had to hire a bookkeeper to do the books. Uh, and then it grew from there. So over 17 years, um, I, you know, I ended up growing that business to about 25 million in revenue and 60 people and four or five offices. And, uh, so, uh, it was, it was quite an adventure. Wow. Congratulations on all that success. What, what would you describe the core product or service that you're providing us at the time? Well, we started off in the parts business for large business phone systems, uh, and then gradually the manufacturer, which was um, AT&T at the time, which became Lucent, which became Avaya, uh, they noticed us and, and they said, hey, you know, you're uh, being a little bit disruptive to our business model. You're not selling new equipment. Uh, how would you like to be an authorized dealer and, and be able to sell new equipment at all, uh, also in addition to the used and refurbished? equipment that we were selling. And uh, so uh, we signed up with them and became an authorized dealer. We liked the product and we treated our customer well, our customers well. And then we began to do, uh, I, I began to search for other ways to generate revenue. Uh, aside from product sales, you know, I wanted to have services revenue and I wanted to have recurring um, contract revenue. So uh, that was sort of a um, um, an objective of mine was how do I make the business more stable if equipment sales uh, slow down? Right. Okay. I love the fact that you said, you know, you started, you know, with uh, almost, um, you know, secondhand or refurbished equipment, uh, but the opportunity came while you were working on that original idea to say, can you do 
new 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 products and new manufactured parts. So, and I think that speaks volumes to say, you know, once you start something, keep moving at it, and something will show up um, down the track. How did you find your first paying clients? Is what I want to know now. Well, I had, uh, as I had um, been selling for a couple of uh, other companies, you know, when when you're in sales, especially um, if you develop a good long-term relationship uh, with someone and you're taking care of them uh, from a customer standpoint, um, you, you become friends with, with people. And so uh, I picked a few of my uh, uh, friendliest and, and most loyal clients and told them what I was doing. And I said, look, if you'll trust me and believe in me, then uh, I would like to continue to serve your company's needs for your telecom equipment. And uh, if ever I let you down or if ever you feel uncomfortable about that with me being such a small operation, uh, then I certainly understand. But I had a few customers that that enjoyed the way that I, I worked and I took care of them and, and they uh, came along with me and supported me. That's incredible. Um, so it's about relationship building all the way through. And then how do you grow the business after those initial clients? Do you just depend on word of mouth or took out an ad budget or what did you do? Uh, so there really wasn't much advertising. It's a great question. There wasn't much advertising uh, in my business at the time. So uh, all of the business that I got was uh, via referral. And then I tried to find out where, you know, what associations did these customers belong to? Where did they meet? Where did they congregate? Um, so that I could go and sponsor some of these meetings or I could get up in front of the, the you know, them and their friends and, and where they were meeting to exchange ideas. Ideas, whether it was a convention or some tor- some type of conference, um, and I would try to make a contribution to that conference, or uh, you know, get up in front of them in some way and be able to say, "Okay, here's who I am and what I do." And and so I grew the business slowly over a period of time like that. Um, and then there was just cold calling. I, you know, when I first started uh, hiring salespeople, I would say. You know, look, call them and ask them if they have this type of phone system. And and if they do, then you can help them. And uh, so uh, it was a lot of cold calling at the time. Wow. Do you coach um, on cold calling today? I do. I do. Um, I have a few clients today. So with my my business, uh, which you mentioned earlier, Business by Day, um, I have five really good clients. um, And my preference is to keep it very, very small um, and and high quality. But yeah, we talk about it all the time. I mean, how do you find your prospects? What is your what is your key value proposition? What does your ideal prospect look like? And how do you reach them? How do you find them? How do you uh, uh, track them down where they congregate? Where do they go? What do they read? Uh, so you really kind of have to get yourself in, in, the, in the head of the client. But, and once you do that, then you find that uh, it's, it's relatively easy to find them. Mm. Now, as you're growing your business, Rick, um, the telecom business, you know, you've borrowed money. Um, now, for after, for after year one, you've paid off the the forty k that you borrowed from your from a wonderful grandma, um, but I'm sure there were some tough moments. Um, how do you persevere, and how did you know that you could execute on it and that it will succeed? You know, that's a that's a tough question. Um, I think you know. I remember taking a survey uh, and and sort of a reflective survey some years ago, and it said. If you could go back 10 or 15 years and answer a question for yourself, for your younger self, what would you say? And I think my answer to that was 
don't worry so much, you're going to be okay. Uh, and so I, I think as an entrepreneur, especially with the weight of the world on your shoulders, you know, and, and maybe you've got debt from family or maybe you've hired two or three people and you feel as though you're responsible not only for yourself but for their livelihood, um, you know, you get up every morning, you try your best, you pay attention, you work hard, you study, you treat your customers well, you try to follow up on your promises and, and do what you say you'll do. Um, and things tend to work out okay. Uh, so we we definitely had some tough years. We had some years where we lost money. We had some years where we got sued. Uh, we had some years where the economy slowed down. But we were always paying attention. We were always uh, uh, trying our hardest. And uh, it just tended to work out. Mm. Yeah, I love that answer. Um, you've talked a few times on treating your customers well. Um, how important do you think that is? I, I think it's the only thing that you can do. I, I don't think that you have a choice. Um, even today, Davis, in business, I'm surprised at the number of of uh, vendors that I have or the number, even my doctor, where I feel like I ask them to do something, but then somewhere in the back of my mind, I think, you know, I wonder if this person will really follow up and follow through and do what they said they were going to do. And I'll put a follow-up calendar appointment on my own calendar so that I can chase them. Uh, and I think as a vendor or as a, as a provider of a service or a product, if you tell a customer that you're going to do something and then you follow up and you do that, um, you know, it makes all the difference because there's so much bad service out there. Mm. I, um, I was speaking to somebody um, earlier today and they were saying to me, you know, you can pick a whole range of business opportunities and just literally focus on creating great customer service and you could have a massive competitive advantage, uh, which is sounding similar to what you're saying. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. If you follow up and you do what you say you're going to do and you're reliable and you're dependable, um, you're already leagues ahead of your competition. I wanted to just um, talk about breakthroughs. Um, some people say they had a one big moment of a breakthrough and others say, nah, it was just incremental compounding little effects. What, what was your story in your business? Well, I have a couple of key moments that, that really sort of, I think, defined for me um, the way my career was going to go. And I remember getting out of uh, class. I was putting myself through college. I was detailing cars. Um, and uh, I was walking down the steps at this at this small community college in San Diego. And... Uh, I remember stopping in this one particular half, you know, sort of half landing on the, on the stairway. I could find it again if I had to. And it was about sunset one evening. And I just remember thinking to myself, you know, Rick, nobody is going to do anything for you in this life. Your father has, has had jobs. He's been in the steel industry, the, the crane building industry. Uh, he, he was building, uh, uh, he worked for a company that built container cranes. Um, but he didn't have any job connections for me and he didn't understand technology and, and not that I was in technology at the time, but I just knew that, that he really didn't have anything for me. 
And then my mother, on the other hand, was a PhD in psychology and counseling psychology, and she was a therapist. And I knew that she really didn't have anything for me either. No advice, no job connections. Um, and it just occurred to me, if anybody's going to do anything for this guy named Rick Day, it's it's got to be Rick, and it's up to me. And so it was one of those sort of breakthroughs where the, the, the weight and the responsibility and the clarity came through to me that said, um, nobody's going to do anything for you, man. You got to go do it. You got to make it happen. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah, it's all within our power. Um, I want to I wanna talk about your program that you teach today called Accelerate Your Path to Your First Million. Um, what are some of the core things you're teaching in that well, right. So, so what I did was after I sold my uh, my company, I decided to volunteer uh, as I was developing my uh, sort of uh, personal and professional network here in San Diego. And uh, I volunteered at this organization called Connect, which is a very good organization locally, and they connect um, entrepreneurs together uh, with financiers and marketers and management experts and growth experts and and financial experts. And so a, a lot of us came into that organization uh, as mentors for some of these young guys. And it didn't matter if they had software or a new uh, snowboard binding or a new backpack with a solar charger. It really didn't matter what the product was. I, I began to notice they all had the same questions over and over and over again. How do I build a management team? When do I hire my first salesperson? Uh, how do I compensate my people? Um, how do I build an organization that's going to function without me? So as these guys were all sort of, and, and guys, I say guys sort of, you know, generic uh, gender, but I mean, guys, girls, everybody, they're coming through this program. And I thought they're all asking the same questions. Why don't I try to take these answers, these questions and these answers and sort of productize it? And so uh, I started Accelerate 120 and the 120 was for a 120 day program. And uh, I ended up running a couple of classes, one group of six and one group of eight where it was, it was, um, you know, six or eight entrepreneurs. They were guiding each other. They were helping each other. Uh, I was mentoring. I was being the mediator. Uh, we would have a spotlight person uh, or a spotlight company, and we would have a call, you know, every two weeks. Uh, and so they would encourage each other and hold each other accountable. So that's that's really how that program started, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was successful. Mm. Now you scaled your business to twenty five million dollars a year, starting from I guess from zero. Um, when did that lift happen and, and what are some of the things you changed that caused that to scale that way? Well, interesting, right? Um, so what happens is um, in the beginning when you're just working by yourself, um, you end up doing everything by yourself and, and you are every department, you are every function in the business, whether it's opening the mail to answering the phone to closing the sale to obtaining the product to shipping the product to doing the invoicing and, and paying the taxes and doing all of your accounting. And so um, I read this book, uh, The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, uh, and that was one of the few books that really changed my life from a, a business perspective. And basically, it got me to look at that business, even though it was just me at the time, 
to look at that business and all of the functions that were happening in that business and how could I, as, as the business grew, how could I bring in someone and give them one or two functions and say, okay, these are now your functions. Here's everything that I know about doing those functions and you probably will do them better than I ever did. Uh, and so that begins the, the scaling process for a business. And uh, when I did that, I started hiring people to my weaknesses. And I, I think you always have to play to your strengths and I think you have to hire to your weaknesses. So, you know, I, I wasn't good at books and I thought I can hire somebody else at a less expensive uh, rate to uh, unpack and pack the boxes and to ship them. And so I just kind of began to cut up my business and look at who who could I hire and what was the lowest possible cost uh, that would still end up in the with the same result. So. Um, that in, what did that do? Uh, well, I think what it does is it freed me up to really do what I did best, which was get on the phone and talk with customers and listen for ideas and, and try to solve their problems and, and to sell uh, and to follow through on my promises. And I had this team of people that was sort of backing me mm. up. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you, you play to your weakness, play to your strengths, um, you hire your weaknesses, and then you, you then, you know, can catapult um, your strengths into a much bigger um, sort of business model, and then but you know you've got your bases covered with a with a team backing you up. I love that. Um, that's great. <clears throat> um, what about fear of failure? Did that ever hold you back um, at all? You know, I I don't know. I I think fear of failure was sort of always lurking there in the background. Uh, I can't really point to a specific point where. I think fear of failure was was debilitating. I think it was always a motivator for me, thinking, you know, I, I'm going to wake up on Saturday morning and, you know, I left this or that undone on Friday afternoon. And ultimately, I would go and do, I would get the work done on Saturday because that's what needed to happen. Uh, so I think fear, to me, fear, as I said earlier, fear is a great motivator. Fear of failure has, has been a constant thing in my life, uh, even today, right? But, um, uh, not something really that's, that's catastrophic or that, that I can point to any one event and, and think I made it across this hurdle because of fear of failure. Mm. Do you ever look back and think I shouldn't have sold the business? No, you know, I really don't. I'm really happy that I did. Um, and when you look at the the financial crash uh, that happened in the global markets in, in 2008, which I think really began in the U.S., um, that, was, that was one factor. The other major factor was that I was dealing with um, old school telephone systems, which were uh, of the TDM technology, the time division multiplex technology. And when the new technology was coming out, voice over IP and IP telephony, uh, I just sensed that there were going to be new competitors entering the market, that our technical training and staffing was going to have to really substantially increase, that I may have to have very expensive um, engineering resources on my team. And it was really going to require that I double down on my investments to make it into the future. And uh, I just decided, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that this is the business that I want to go into. Um, one of the other key books that I read during that period of time was by Andy Grove, who was the CEO of Intel Corporation at the time. 
and he wrote a book called Only the Paranoid Survive. And uh, and it's a it's a funny title, but it was a really really good book about understanding your market and understanding uh, what he called a paradigm change when things are going to change substantially in your market, so that your entire business is going to be upset. And and I saw that coming with voice over IP and IP telephony. So I think when I sold, I'm really glad that I did. Um, I've heard a lot of guys that stayed in the business after I sold, and they said, man, you really got out at the right time. So, no, I don't regret it. <laughs> good, good judgment. Good judgment. That's great. Um, now, I want to I wanna, uh, understand a little bit more um, about you know, some of the philosophies that you operate under and, and what you've been able to achieve over these years. So, I've got a couple of questions for you, and if you can um, – you know, ask them in, in quick sound bites. That'll be amazing. So, how do you rank the following, if at all? Faith, fun, family, finances, friendships. I think um, so. I'm not a very religious guy, but I think the first thing really is your health. If you don't have your health, you don't have. And I know that's not one of the one of the things that you ask. But without your health, you've got nothing. Beyond that, you've got family. You've got friends. Um, you've got fun, um, and I think all of those things really make you a better person for, for doing your work. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but uh, that's where I would start. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Give us a 30-second look into a day in your life when you started your business versus a day in your life today. Wow. Okay. So when I first started my business, uh, I was very single purpose focused. I would uh, get up in the morning, I'd head to the office, I would make my calls, I would sell my products, I would follow through with my customers, uh, enjoy that, and then I would do my invoicing and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, today, uh, I, I'm much more diversified, so I wake up in the morning, I go to the gym, uh, I have my, that's sort of my church, if you will, and uh, then I check in at the office, I uh, check into my emails, and I, I may go to one office or another uh, just based on the need for that particular day. So uh, it's it's uh, much different than it used to be. Mm. Now, um, do you invest in mentors? And if yes, why? And who are some of those for you? Well, it's a great question. Um, so I've always had people that I looked up to. And in some cases, yes, I invested uh, in in mentors. Whether that meant uh, sort of uh, buying their videotapes or their or their audio tapes or buying their books, um, but I've always I've always sort of studied business. I've always had a curiosity there. I've had some senior executives that were mentors of mine. Um, I had a board of uh, outside board of directors that I put together for my company when I knew that I was going to exit. Uh, so I would say that, um, the, the mentors that I've enjoyed and, and really looked up to went from people at one point to books and, and magazine articles, uh, like Harvard Business Review, uh, and just some fantastic books that I've read. So I'm always, uh, looking for that new idea that to just to gain maybe a little bit more wisdom. Mm, that's amazing. Um, I normally ask you what your two greatest books, um, for you know a good read for entrepreneurs, but you've touched on the e-myth revisited and uh, only the paranoid survive. Would that be uh, ranking pretty high on your list? Yeah, I think every entrepreneur should start off by reading "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill. 
uh, it's you know it's a, you probably read it yourself. It's a very old school book, but the principles still apply. And then once you start building an organization, then you have to read the E Myth Revisited. So I would say those, if I had to pick two, those would be the two that would be required reading. Mm, that's good. Um, and you're not the first one to say that, so that's that's very good. <laughs> um, now, uh, Rick, what is the best way for people to connect with you? Well, you've got my uh, my website, businessbyday.com. Uh, my email address is Rick A.M. Day, so R-I-C-K-A-M-D-A-Y, uh, at gmail.com. And uh, I would say that's probably the best way. I'm, I'm happy to help and, and answer questions and, and whatever I can do to make a contribution to this crazy world. Mm. Now, we've got just one, more, one or two more minutes, and I wanted to touch base on if somebody wanted to reach out to you, um, who are you looking for in terms of the ideal um, clients and customers that you're working with right now, and what sort of um, you know, help are you giving some of the best stories that you have today? Oh, go, okay. Good, good question. So, uh, what I typically look for is not someone who is, who has an idea that says, I'm thinking about starting my business. What I like to, I like to work with people who say, I've started my business. I'm doing okay. Uh, but I'm really feeling overwhelmed. I don't know how to grow it. Uh, I don't know how to, uh, you know, really leverage the people that I have. Um, I don't know how to create, uh, compensation programs, bonus programs. I don't know how to build a management structure. So it's someone who has some customers. They've got some revenue. Um, they sort of feel like they've got a tiger by the tail, but they're just not really sure how to build a company. Um, and that's what I can help mm. them do. Is there a specific space that you think is um, a little bit easier today to, to generate and scale up to your first million dollars in sales or, 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 or valuation? Hmm, that's a great question. Uh, I, I think, um, you know, software has got to be an interesting space just because of the ability to replicate it at a very low cost. Uh, it also requires a lot of investment money up front. But, you know, really, I mean, I'm a franchise holder. Um, I, I like service businesses. I like uh, anything that has a high degree of interaction with people where you can have that relationship and you can develop relationships with customers that last for the long term and suppliers as well. Um, so, uh, gosh, it's, it's almost endless. It could be a car dealership. It could be, uh, you know, so many types of businesses that are out there, but they all need sort of the same basic building blocks. Yeah. That's good. And I know a lot, not a lot of people, um, um, I guess, are niching into the space that you are, which is, you know, providing that ability to scale, you know, working out compensation, bonus structures, management teams, um, and all those fun, fun things. So I think um, that's a really good um, place to, to play in. And you've got the, the credibility and the history behind that. So I encourage anybody who's um, thinking about that to, to reach out to, to Rick. Uh, absolutely. So, Rick, before I ask my last question, I, I do want to thank you for you know, everything you have done or the contribution you have made in the marketplace um, you know, and, and the heart that you have to, to give back because you could obviously have done, gone back uh, and uh, built more, more companies, but you've chosen to, to give back. And thank you for actually coming um, here on this show for pouring out your, your words of wisdom to inspire the business owners community here. Um, so really, really grateful. Um, and now for, for the last question. Yeah, thanks. Uh, for the last question, um, when all is said and done, uh, Rick, what legacy 
do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why? Wow, that's a great, uh, another great question. You're asking some really good questions. Um, at one point, one of my business exercises was that, uh, with one of my leadership groups was that you have to write your own, uh, your own eulogy. You know, what would you like said at your, at your funeral? And I thought, you know, here is a guy who loved his family, loved his life, lived every moment, uh, tried to be helpful and, and uh, see others around him succeed and uh, did his best to help each other uh, along the way and, and help these other people along the way. So I, I think that's really uh, what I would look forward to. Mm. Well, you have certainly done that today. I know we had technology troubles and uh, you, you stepped out of your way to really make sure we did this. And so I'm totally grateful because you, you're a man who lives out your word. Uh, so, so thank you very much. Um, the ladies and gentlemen, look, thank you for hanging out with me and Rick today. I uh, hope you had as much fun as I did. Uh, but more importantly, I hope you could get your hopes up that you are good enough to chase your dreams. Remember to head on over to businessjournals.com for all the show notes just type rick in the search bar and all his show notes will appear with everything we talked about today that's businessjournals.com and to connect with rick just go to businessbyday.com or email him at rickamday at gmail.com and check out um his blog posts and uh, his podcast podcast posts and uh and just reach out and see how you, you can um you can find some work with um with Rick and see what he's doing. Rick, thank you so much for being on the Business Journals podcast today, for sharing your story with us. We are very grateful. You are a true business general. Uh, thanks, David. It's been an honor and, and thanks for having me on the show. Hey, what's up, Business Journals family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Journals podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B. WA. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.